really wanna know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast brought to you by Trio 4 Productions, the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics and almostheavenathletics.com. Joining me as always is my co-host, Stephen Vestal. What's going on today, Stephen? Oh, not a whole lot. How you doing, brother? Uh, doing pretty good. Um, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. Um, pretty good when we feel like this is going to be our 2018 WVU football season recap show. Uh, we're going to hand out some awards, our superlatives, if you will, for the season. Got a lot of different things we want to uh, get to. And then at the end, we're going to talk about some news from uh, from the bowl game side of things, players playing, players not playing, coaching changes, um, little brief look ahead to next season. So got a great show coming up for, your, for you guys today. So uh, let's get it started and dive into our season awards, our season superlatives. Uh, right now um our first award we want to hand out is play of the year um what play did you select as your play of the year this year for 2018 steven um i chose uh the will Grant two-point conversion in the texas game uh, because i felt like that gave our team a little bit of life uh, even though we lost a little bit uh going down the stretch i felt like that was the play that gave our team the most momentum throughout the entire year so that was the play that i chose yeah, right on. I, I had it narrowed down to a, a few plays, and that, that was one of my choices I had. Um, I had that as a choice, and then, of course, I had the touchdown pass to uh, Gary Jennings as the other choice. But uh, I think I'm going to be uh, a little bit different and go with the uh, Keith Washington interception, the pick six against Texas Tech, because I think that really sealed the victory, and the West Virginia season may have looked a whole lot different if they didn't come out on top in that game. I think that game helped them build um, some momentum going forward and helped them stay successful uh, that season and um, remain undefeated at the time. So I think it was a really big play. So I selected the Keith Washington pick six versus Texas Tech as my play of the year. Um, now let's uh, talk about game of the year. Uh, what game did you select as your game of the year this season? Uh, ironically enough, I chose that Texas Tech game because uh... – uh, as my player, play of uh, the game of the year, sorry. Uh, simply because going into the year, I remember picking them to lose that game uh, going in. So mm-hmm. I thought that uh, when, when we did win that game, we done, went down there to Lubbock and won that. I, I, I felt like that was a big catapult into our season. I thought that gave us a lot of momentum going forward. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a tough game, and it was big to get that win on the road against a Texas Tech team that was ranked at the time for sure. So um, as far as my game of the year, um, you know, there's a few good candidates for this one as well. Uh, the Texas game, which we briefly mentioned already, was um, an excellent game, hell of a game. Uh, probably the best game to watch of the year, I would say. And, you know, the Oklahoma game, despite West Virginia losing, was a great back and forth, very entertaining. But as far as the best game of the year for West Virginia in my eyes, I went with the 58-14 to win over Baylor just because that uh, simply looked like the best performance the Mountaineers put all in, on all season and the first time all season and maybe one of the only times all season they played great for a full four quarters and really showed uh, what they were capable of, I thought. So I chose the 58-14 to victory over Baylor as my uh, game of the year. Next, we're going to talk about the uh, biggest surprise of the season. Um, it could, could be anything, really. Uh, could be a good surprise, bad surprise, just kind of something you didn't see coming, maybe going into the season or uh, throughout the season that surprised you. So um, what was your biggest surprise of the year in 2018, Stephen? Uh, my biggest surprise probably would be um – how the defense stepped up after uh, all of the injuries and all the things uh, of that nature, especially towards the linebacker position. I think that we did a, uh, a really tremendous job of people stepping into their uh, position and even other positions and doing a great job of filling, uh, fulfilling those roles. So uh, my biggest surprise was how well we did on defense uh, considering the losses that we took throughout the season. So. Absolutely. I think that uh, the biggest surprise for me was probably, um, you know, it's not necessarily as a good surprise. It's actually more of a bad surprise, but um, the offense's performance against Iowa State in that game. Um, it was surprising just because, you know, I thought it would be a tough game, but I never saw uh, this offense with as much talent as they had having a performance that was that lowly. You know, it was the worst offensive performance by a West Virginia team in 20 years, and you know, that's about as surprising as it gets. So for me, that was the biggest surprise. 
Um, yeah, definitely was surprising. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone could say they um, ever saw that coming. You know, they may have said that uh, Iowa State's defense was going to handle West Virginia in some ways, but never uh, to the total yardage amount that they held West Virginia to, or to the as bad a performance as West Virginia had offensively in that game. And as you've seen, it was just kind of the, of one game uh, off type of deal because you know they never performed that badly again. And who knows if they ever will perform that badly again? It was just a perfect storm, I guess, for Iowa State that night. Yeah, they seem to have one game like that every single year where they have a, a, a team where they play their heart out against and they look like a you know an all-star team and uh, just so happened to be against West Virginia this year, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just uh, the way the cookie crumbled in that one, but uh, at least they bounced back from that one. That's one thing I will say about this team is they were resilient all season, especially following that loss. A lot of people was wondering where West Virginia would go, but they bounced back uh, very strongly despite that surprising uh, offensive performance. Absolutely. So, um, having said that, we're going to get a little bit more into uh, individual things now. Um, best freshman. Which player did you select as the best freshman of the 2018 West Virginia Mountaineers squad? Uh, Let it Brown by far. Uh, Let it Brown come in and looked uh, like a man amongst boys uh, starting out. I know he struggled a little bit down the stretch, but uh, for a freshman, I thought that he played tremendously throughout the season, and I can't wait to see what he's got uh, for the rest of his career. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great choice. You know, there wasn't really uh, too many choices here for West Virginia, um, which I guess kind of speaks to the depth they've been building in the program is that they don't have to play as many freshmen now, which is good to see. You know, uh, Alex Sinkfield may have been a choice, but that injury he had uh, in the second game of the season really pretty much knocked him out uh, for the rest of the season, kind of put him out of the rotation for the most part. But uh, since you chose Letty Brown, I'll take the other choice, which uh, to me was Dante Stills. Um, didn't see a lot of snaps, but when he was in there, he made a big impact. Um, five and a half tackles for a loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles on the season. And um, the college side of Pro Football Focused actually graded Steels as the second best West Virginia defender um, this season, grade wise, and despite only playing 187 snaps. And he also received some freshman All American honors from uh, a couple different sources. So I think Dante Steels uh, had a good season. I select him as my best freshman, and I think he has a bright future going forward. Him, him and Letty Brown both really have bright futures going forward, I think, on each side of the ball. Yeah, I think it really bodes well for West Virginia having a playmaker like that on both sides of the ball, especially with the recruits that we're getting, uh, you know, especially with this past signing day and, uh, you know, the Druco transfers and things like that. I think West Virginia's a scary sight for the future. Absolutely, especially when you uh, look at it from the aspect of a lot of these younger guys that West Virginia's getting in, these freshmen and stuff, aren't going to have to contribute right away. They're going to get a chance to possibly redshirt and uh, just sit and learn, and then, you know, when their time comes, they'll be trained in the system and everything, and I think it's a good sign for West Virginia, the depth that they're building, and hopefully getting to a point where they're not really going to have any rebuilding years. They're just going to have other guys step up and just be able to reload year after year, hopefully. Um, having said that, let's talk about the uh, best newcomer. Um, which new Mountaineer, you know, not necessarily a freshman, but maybe a transfer, just a guy that wasn't on the team last year or didn't play last year, uh, did you feel had the best performance for the Mountaineers this season? Um, who was your best newcomer? Um, I think it's it's hard not to pick Kenny Bigelow in that, mm-hmm. uh, for that award right there. Um, the man just came in, and he dominated from the very first snap of the season. Uh, uh I'm sad to see him go. I wish we could have him for another year, but I think by, I don't think that you can't pick Kenny Bigelow for that because the kid just played lights out all year long. He played uh, he played like he's been there for four years and he knew the system, you yeah. know, like the back of his hand. And uh, absolutely, yeah, man, I think he did a great job this year. I couldn't agree more. Uh, took the words right out of my mouth, really. I mean, I don't know who else you could select there. I chose Kenny Bigelow as my um, best newcomer as well. You know, playing that nose tackle spot, the stats, you know, don't really add up as much. But, I mean, he did have four and a half tackles for a loss, two sacks, a forced fumble, and the big blocked kick that kept them in the game against Iowa State. And it seemed like throughout the year, whenever West Virginia's defense needed to play, he was there in the backfield helping cause that. And like you said, from the very first snap of the season, um, he broke in there against Tennessee and made impact literally from the very first snap of the season. So he was a great addition um, for West Virginia that really helped this defense uh, come along this year. And like you, I'm like you, I wish we had him for more than one year, but I'm glad that he made the impact that he did in, in the one year that he was here. And he's definitely the best newcomer uh, for West Virginia this season, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And I can be – Honestly, you can make an argument for the biggest surprise of the season if you wanted to because going into the season, I figured, you know, I would pick Jabril Robinson. I figured, mm-hmm. you know, right now we'll be talking about Jabril Robinson for that uh, for that uh, award. But 
no. Jabril was good. Don't get me wrong. He was he was a good uh, defensive lineman this year, but I think he, he can't go against Kenny Bigelow. The kid just was an all-star. Yeah, absolutely, especially when there was, you know, questions coming in about if he'd be able to hold up for a whole season. And not only did he hold up for the whole season, but uh, led the defense and made an impact all season. So I think it was great to see and uh, definitely a pleasant surprise. Like you said, could have been the biggest surprise as well. He's definitely a candidate for both. So, um Having said that, let's talk about uh, the most improved. You know, uh, could be a guy that didn't play a lot, or a guy that has played but really took a took his game to a new level this year. So, um, who'd you select as your most improved player on the 2018 season? Uh, I think I got to go with Gary Jennings. I think uh, last year with him only having one reception for a touchdown, uh, I think that he really came out this year, and in my opinion, looked like the best receiver on the team. I know, I, no disrespect towards David Seals whatsoever, but um, I, I thought Gary Jennings just all around looked like a better athlete. Uh, better receiver, uh, and he just looked—he looked like he had fun doing it. Uh, I think, in my opinion, he would be the most improved player. Yeah, absolutely. He's—he uh, definitely improved a lot. You know, um, up in those touchdowns, and then you know, leading WVU in uh, you know both catches and yards. So um, that's great to see from Gary. And I think he's really underrated and been underrated throughout his career, um, pretty much. But uh, as far as for me, uh, my most improved player. Um, you know, I thought about picking Martel Petaway because I thought that he had probably his best uh, season of his career. But I think I couldn't go against Travon Wesco. Um, just, you know, he's made an impact blocking before going back to the last season, especially the latter part of it. But this season, his impact blocking can't, can't be understated. And then what he did receiving was uh, really phenomenal as well from what he had done previously in his career. You know, you heard a lot of talk in the offseason about West Virginia using the tight ends more, and you kind of wondered if that was really going to happen. Um, it was kind of uh, rarely used in the beginning of the season, and it almost seemed like they were saving it for the later part of the season when they really uh, broke it out heavily, as evidenced by uh, Wesco's 24 catches, 352 yards, and a touchdown. And, of course, his impact blocking can't be overstated. So I think that uh, Wesco is the most improved uh, to me on this season. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, we can only hope that it starts a trend at West Virginia. Uh, I really like the fact that they use the tight ends this year. I've been saying it for a few seasons now that I wish that they would get you know a big body in there. Lucky enough, we got a hometown kid like Trayvon Musco. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, he just balled this year, man. He, he's making catches that you wouldn't think he would make. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely nice to see that. Yeah, he's extremely athletic for his size and, you know, was a guy that wasn't on the NFL's radar at the beginning of the season and probably played his uh, self into an NFL roster spot. I don't know if he'll get drafted or not, but I, I definitely see him on an NFL roster next season. So it's somewhere, practice squad or, or, or game day roster, one of the two, he's going to think he earned himself some money this season. Oh, I definitely think so. I think that would be a fool not to at least try him on a practice squad first. Absolutely. So, um, having said that, let's talk about the impact players. Um, we'll do top three for each side of the ball. We'll start on offense. Who do you think were the top three impact players of the offense that really uh, made the biggest impact, helped the team's uh, success the most on offense this season? Um, I think it would be easy to go Greer, Jennings, and Seals, but mm -hmm. I'm going to go with uh, Kajust, Greer, and uh, I'm going to say Seals. Uh, I think Seals... Still played his heart out this season, and I don't mean to slight Jennings in, in the least, but uh, I think in terms of big-time plays, I think still Seals uh, stepped up more in terms of receptions and those types of moments. So uh, same thing, well, besides the Texas game, Jennings, you know, caught the game winning catch, I guess you could say. Uh, just though, you know, it seemed like when he would go out, it would just be like non-existent on that side. Because mm -hmm. uh, Kelby Wickline just couldn't hold up his side on, um, for the better part of the, you know, the time that he played, I guess you could say. Right. Uh, Will Greer, you can't, I mean, you can't argue against anything that he did this year, especially not playing the full season again, uh, still having the types of numbers that he had. And, uh, yeah, I mean, those yeah. got to be my three, I guess. I can agree like, with those uh, those three for sure. It's, uh, you know, when offense had uh, as successful as the years it did this season, it's kind of hard to pick uh, just three. But um, I, went right. with, I went with Greer as well as my number one. I mean, uh, what else can you say? He finished fourth in the Heisman, 3,864 yards, 37 touchdowns. Um, excellent season from him. Lived up to the hype pretty for the most part, I believe. Um, number two, I went the other way um, that you did uh, and went with Gary Jennings, actually. Um, 
you know, I think that it's, it's you can argue between him and Seals either one. But uh, to me, in my opinion, I think that Jennings was just always that guy throughout his career, and especially even this season, that if you needed a big catch on third down, uh, Gary Jennings was there. You would see him get that first down or, um, you know, just a lot of clutch plays throughout the season. You saw it against Texas, the game-winning, uh, what ended up being the game-winning touchdown uh, reception. And, you know, 917 yards, 13 touchdowns after having only one last season. That was big. And um, I'm absolutely shocked that he didn't get selected to to the All-Big 12 team or didn't get selected to the Senior Bowl. Uh, really surprised by that. You know, I think that Jennings has got has deserved at least one of those, if not both. Um, definitely probably the Senior Bowl. I'm really shocked that he didn't get in that, although he's uh, supposedly going to play in the East-West Shrine Bowl, which is uh, good that he got into uh, some bowl game for seniors. But I, I wish I would have got him into that Senior Bowl. But... Having said that, my third uh, impact player of the offense, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Trevon, Trevon Wesco. You know, um, the passing game, what he did in the passing game was great, but I think what he did in the run game and what he brought blocking-wise um, to really really helped open up running lanes for West Virginia all season, which led to him earning a first-team All-Big 12 honors. So my top three impact players of the offense are Greer, Jennings, and Wesco. Um, Let's flip over to the other side. Uh, defensively, uh, top three impact players made the biggest impact, uh, in your opinion. Who, who you got? Uh, number one, obviously, you got to go David Long. Mm-hmm. There's not a better player on defense you're going to find in West Virginia even in the past, I would say, up to four or five years. Uh, I think that he's the best heart. Well, I, arguably Carl Joseph. <laughs> mm-hmm. Carl Joseph is probably the one person that's better than David Long in the past five years at WVU, in my opinion. I think that he's got to be number one. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with uh, Kenny Bigelow. Uh, I just like the way that he came in. Like like I said earlier, made an Im- impact immediately. Uh, didn't look like he broke stride at all during the season. and uh, He held up, like you said, injury-wise. He held up very strongly throughout the season, which was nice to see that he stayed healthy. Uh, third, I'm going to have to go with Keith Washington. I think the secondary was probably – Probably was our weakest link on the uh, weakest link, sorry, on the entire team this year, and uh, I think him and even Josh Norwood stepped up uh, in at the most uh, improbable times, I guess you could say, other than the Oklahoma game. And you're not stopping any receiver on the Oklahoma offense. I'm sorry, you're just not going to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Keith Washington would have to be my number three. Yeah, Keith Washington really made a difference uh, coming in on that Texas Tech game and moving forward. I thought. Um, for sure, I, I like that choice. But uh, as for me, uh, my top three impact players, just like you said, David Long, um, number one for sure. 97 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, four pass breakups, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. That's just a ridiculous stat line. And, you know, the Big 12 oh, Conference, they finally made up for not uh, selecting him as Big 12 Player of the Week, and he has given him the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, which he definitely earned and deserved. So I was glad to see him get that recognition finally. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, don't, I think it's appalling that he didn't get at least one player of the week throughout that entire tenure. Yeah, that's got to be some kind of record, too, to have a guy that didn't uh, get a player of the week defensively win defensive player of the year. I mean, that's got to be a first. I guess he did it so much that it was normalized and they didn't think it was that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, had to be something because at least, at least they gave him, gave him his due at the end of the season, I guess. But uh, my second, uh, Kenny Bigelow, uh, like we talked about earlier, Huge impact um, on this defensive line. The defensive line, I thought, was the reason that the 2017 West Virginia defense really struggled, and he was a big reason why the defense um, improved with their game in the early part of the season uh, this year. So he's my second. And then uh, third, I went with Kenny Robinson. Uh, you know, he had a, quietly had a very good year. Uh, you know, um, his freshman year he made an impact some, had to play corner more than safety. This year got to move back to his natural uh, spot at free safety, and uh, he earned first-team All-Big 12 honors himself. Um, you know, 75 tackles, which was second on the team, three interceptions, four pass breakups. Um, you know, he, he became a hard hitter as well, I thought. You know, he had a big hit against Baylor that uh, – Kind of caused uh, the receiver there, uh, Pratt, to uh, drop the ball, and he kind of had the alligator arms the rest of the game. And then, of course, had another uh, big hit like that against Texas as well. So I really like what Kenny Robinson's starting to bring to the table, and I think he's only going to get better uh, going forward. And he's got a really bright future ahead of uh, ahead of him. So he gets my third impact player. So I got David Long, Kenny Bigelow, and Kenny Robinson. Now let's talk about the uh, the big one. Let's talk uh, player of the year. Um, we'll do offense and defense. Uh, went offense first last time, so let's go defense first this time. Uh, defensively, who's your player of the year this season for the Mountaineers? Uh, David Long. Uh, like I said, he, he just plays his heart out in every single game that he plays. 
Um, at times when West Virginia, like you said, in 2017, didn't even look like they had a defense on the field. He was the one player that stepped up and was pretty much our whole, our whole defensive unit at some times, and especially like the Milk State game in 2017 and, you know, and in this past year. Uh, he just never broke stride, so I think it'd be hard to go against him. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly with you. Um, my player of the year on defense, also David Long. I mean, what what can you say that's not been said about David Long? He's, you know, the heart of the defense, the leader of the defense. You can't block the guy. Um, I think he's the only player in the country that ranked in the top 20 in tackles, tackles for loss, and sack, ranked in the top 20 nationally in all three of those categories. You know, mentioned he won the Defensive Player of the Year uh, in the Big 12 Conference. That's West Virginia's first ever uh, Defensive Player of the Year uh, winner in the Big 12. It was also first team all Big 12. So, I mean, can't go against David Long, really. Definitely uh, Defensive Player of the Year. So, uh, flip over uh, to the offensive side of the ball. Um, Player of the Year, your MVP of the offense this season. Uh, I know that the uh, the coaching staff disagreed with me on this one, uh, and they picked David Seals, but I can't I can't go against Greer. I know that he's skipping the ball game. I know that uh, some people have some hard feelings about that. I honestly, uh, I think it's a smart move for the kid. Uh, I, I think he played a great two seasons, and they weren't even two full seasons, and that's right. why I picked him as my player of the year because I don't know who. I mean, West Virginia would have gotten that could have even you know, got close to his numbers in the games that he got him. He got, you know, the same, if not better numbers than the top Heisman candidates in the country, and he played two less games than all of them. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that he's by far the MVP. I think that there's, and that's saying something because, you know, the, our offense was loaded with MVPs this year, and it's easily to pick any of them uh, that made big plays, in my opinion. You can go Trayvon Wesco. I think that he could arguably been my choice because of, of the year that he had, but Will Greer, man, uh, I think that he's a lot better quarterback than what people give him credit for, and uh, we're definitely going to miss him in the Golden Blue. Absolutely. He's going to be a, a tough act to follow for sure, and uh seems like we saw eye-to-eye on these uh, Player of the Year picks because my offensive Player of the Year is also uh, Will Greer. You know, Like I said, he finished fourth in the Heisman race, which was the highest uh, finish for a West Virginia player in the Heisman race in 12 years since Steve Slayton finished fourth back in 2006 as well. Um, you know, the drive against uh, Texas – with the touchdown and the two-point conversion, uh, will be remembered forever. You know, he's very consistent. Uh, he's a leader. He's a great guy on and off the field. And like you said, not even a full two seasons of action. And, and you know, he's going to finish his Mountaineer career, you know, second in school history in uh, career touchdown passes with 71, third in school, in school history in passing yards, over 7,000. And then he will also end his career ranking first in school history in passing efficiency rating with 169 rating and also own the record for most ever 300-yard passing games in a career with 19. And, you know, like you said, that's in a little less than two seasons of action. So, you know, his legacy should not be understated, and I hope that uh, – you know, him sitting out this bowl game doesn't uh, diminish that legacy because it certainly doesn't deserve to. And I'm with you. I, I agree with his decision, you know, uh, from a personal standpoint. you can't. It's hard to argue it, really. But definitely the player of the year this year on offense, I think, is uh, Will Greer. Uh, what he did for this team can't be understated. So, Absolutely. And I, I said it all year long that he had never lost consecutive games at West Virginia. He finally did do that, losing to Oklahoma State and then Oklahoma. Um, but – he definitely gave it his best shot against Oklahoma. And when you come within three points, I think you're saying something in terms of, you know, especially how good Oklahoma was this season. Absolutely. And I, and I still feel like if, you know, if they'd have been, a defense would have been able to stop Oklahoma on that fourth down and he'd have got uh, one more chance at it, I think that he would have uh, got drove down and uh, won that game probably. And, you know, that record would have stood without uh, back-to-back defeats probably. But, you know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I guess you can say whatever, but you know, I think that a lot of Mountaineer fans would agree that he would have probably uh, drove that ball down the field. Yeah, I don't think a lot of Mountaineer fans would agree that we should have won that game regardless. This is a bad call. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> what's what's done is done, I guess. So, uh, but uh, let's let's talk about the season as a whole now. Um, I know uh, in our season prediction show we both predicted ten and two. Um, Mountaineers finished eight and three. Um, you know. It, with that, with the NC State game, uh, likely could have been nine and three, and you know if uh, they pull out pull out that Oklahoma State game like they should have, you know we'd have been uh, pretty close to being right on it. But um, you know eight and three is the final record. Um, having said that, you know uh, 
what would you grade this season? You know, your overall season grade, if you had to assess it a letter grade from, you know, A plus to F, where in that spectrum would you grade this season um, overall and, and why? I will have to go, I'm going to say a C plus. And the reason why, I, I, you would think that I could go with a B or a B, a B plus. I'm going to say C plus because at times this team looked like the best team in the entire country. And I felt like at times that they had a really good chance that they could hang with Alabama and they could hang with Clemson. Um, and then in the same token, you have the same exact football team step on the field the very next game or even in the same game. And they look like a completely different football team. And they play the worst football you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in terms of giving full effort every single down throughout the entire season, I can't say that they did that. I think that, that like I said, I think they were a great football team. And they show great effort throughout most of the season. Um, but in games like Iowa State and the second half of the Oklahoma State game, uh, Kansas game even, uh, there, there's just certain moments that you can point out that you're just like, you know, those are huge question marks to me. And so for that reason, I will, I'm going to have to go middle of the pack and I'm going to have to say C+. Yeah, I could see that for sure. You know, I remember um... – when we were discussing the season predictions, we we kind of asked each other what to you you know would be a, a letdown, and um, I believe I said that if they didn't make the Big Twelve championship, and you said if they didn't win ten games, so you know we both you know neither one of those happened. So I mean it's kind of hard to say there's you don't feel a little let down by this team just because you know uh, the capability that they had, the potential that they had, but um. Having said that, I, I still went with the B plus just because, you know, like I said, it didn't not reaching the Big Twelve Championship game I feel like was a letdown. But, you know, I don't think any way it constitutes this team as being mediocre or anything in that matter. Just because, you know, they they were there all year in the in the top twenty five rankings. I believe after the first week uh first weekend they got into the top fifteen in the A P poll and I don't think they ever dropped out of the top fifteen A P poll wise throughout the entire season. And then um, you know, two road wins versus ranked teams. First time that had happened since 2007, and you know, it's it's just it's hard to argue with the things uh, that th- that this this team has done. You know, staying ranked all year was also the first time they've done that since 2007. So I mean, uh, there's a, a lot of good accomplishments from this team that you know, if I don't want to be overlooked just because of uh, the way the season ended with the back-to-back losses. And I think that that's really what's kind of sitting in the back of Mountaineer fans' minds is that, you know, you have one loss, you're in the playoff discussion, you're right there on the cusp of a Big 12 title. All you got to do is make one play in, you know, one of the final two games, make one more play, and you're in the Big 12 championship game. So, yes, it hurts. But I also think this team was very successful still yet. And just because of those things, I give them a B plus, But not making the Big 12 championship game certainly a letdown but you got to also look at the silver lining and the fact that they were right there and you know they're literally one play away from being in the big 12 championship game and maybe even finishing first in the big 12 conference so you know that's got to make you feel like it's a bright future coming up for the west virginia football program as well you know oh i definitely think that we're uh, trending upwards uh, especially with these recruits that we keep getting in year in and year out they just keep getting better and better uh, i think I think last year was the most four-star and five-star recruits we've ever had on campus at the same time, uh, and I think that it's just getting more and more as the year go as the years go on. And we're you're starting to see us still recruits from Clemson or uh, not Clemson or yeah, actually we stole a player from Clemson. Uh, we're getting players from Alabama. We're getting recruits flipped from LSU the other day. Uh, I just think that with those types of recruits and you know Dana building and being more comfortable at WVU, I think that only bodes well for West Virginia moving forward. Absolutely, and you know you can look at it from this aspect as well that without the injury to Will Greer um, last season, you know West Virginia would have at least won one more game, if not more. So that would have given them eight or more wins, which would mean that since 2015, West Virginia hasn't lost. I mean, hasn't won, uh, lost or won less than eight games. Rather, sorry, 2015 you had eight wins. 2016, ten wins. 2017 you had seven already before the Greer injury and then this year already at eight before the bowl game with the possible of nine so I mean you know past four seasons you haven't won less than eight games and I think that's great and definitely trending upwards when you're you know basically one game away from the uh, Big 12 championship as well. Oh I definitely think so and if you look at it uh, with the exception of Bill Stewart I think that's probably the best uh, you know starting record for the first however many seasons at WVU that West Virginia's had. You know, if you look at Don Nealon, Don Nealon started out winless 
or you know one or two wins in his first few seasons at WVU. Rich Rodriguez came in. He won one in his first season. He won three in his second season and then catapulted and started winning football games. Uh, Dana is well on his way to, to having a very uh, a very good program at WVU. If he can see, if he can stick it out and the, way, the fans can you know let him stick it out, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. The guy's a limit for WVU, man. I, I, I've been saying it for a while now. I don't think that there's anything stopping West Virginia from being a powerhouse in the coming years. I think that we're looking looking good for a, a good track to go that way, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, aside from that 2008, I mean 2013 year, you know, the four and eight year, it's it's been uh, pretty successful for uh, for Coach Holgerson. You know, 2012 starting off five and zero and ending them with only seven wins was disappointing. But you didn't have the depth for the Big 12 at the time. You didn't have the defense at the time. And you know they figured that out over those next two seasons. Um, you know, after that 2013 season, it was all up from there. You know, 2014. They were right there in the thick of the Big 12 race before Clint Trickett gets the concussion. And then, as I mentioned, 2005, since 2015, it's been eight wins or more, you know, uh, essentially. You know, without the Greer injury last year, it would have been eight wins there. So, essentially, just about eight wins, you know, every year since then. So, definitely trending up, like you said, I, I feel like for sure. So, um, having said that and talking about the future, um, let's look ahead to the future a little bit and hand out our last couple superlatives here before we get into talking about some news. So, uh Next superlative I want to talk about is uh, the 2019 NFL Draft. Uh, West Virginia is going to have a few players that are eligible. You know, you're going to have Yodnik Adjust, uh, Trevon Wesco, David Seals, Gary Jennings, Will Greer. Um, David Long hasn't made his decision yet, so we'll see where that goes. But, you know, of the names mentioned, uh, which player do you think is going to be West Virginia's uh, highest draft pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the first WVU player that will be selected in the 2019 NFL Draft, in your opinion? Um... I think it'll be Will Greer. I think uh, I think that he's going to go early to mid second round. Um, I think you can make a case for someone going after Jennings, but I don't think that he's going to be an early round pick. I think he's going to probably be around a four or five, uh, four or five round pick. Uh, I think it's got to be Greer in terms of talent. Yeah, I think so too. I think Greer's going to impress people in 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 the. Um in the draft process, in the combines, but really in the interviews and stuff. He's really a great interviewer. He's going to impress people. But um, I, I don't know if he's going to go first. I'm going to uh, go out on a limb and surprise some people and say Yodney could just uh, gets picked before Greer. I think that, you know, the left tackle is always a vital position. Um, you know, if you can't do anything without protecting the quarterback's blind side. And, you know, Yodney could just having success at that, being a four-year starter at West Virginia. I think bodes well for his future, and I'm going to say that he goes uh, somewhere in the first round probably, and uh, I think it's kind of a toss-up between him and Greer who goes first. I think you'll definitely see one of those two get drafted first and uh, possibly Seals and Jennings you know, in a little bit later rounds, but I think Greer and Kajust, either one can go uh, first two rounds, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, just play devil's advocate and say uh, y'all need Kajust. I like that. I like that. All right, so let's, uh, let's talk about 2019 for West Virginia now. Uh, you know, handed out some superlatives for this year. Let's hand out um, a little bit of a superlative looking ahead to next season, if you will. And uh, name me your top three breakout players for West Virginia in 2019. can be any side of the ball. It uh, doesn't necessarily have to be a newcomer. It can be someone that's been here but you feel is really going to up their game to a new level next year. Or it can be your incoming recruit. You know, whatever you like. Uh, top three players that you think are going to break out for West Virginia in 2019's football season. Uh, I think number one, I'm going to go with the popular pick and go with the linebacker from Alabama. I think that he's going to step in and really do well, mm-hmm. um, especially in a position that we're going to need him to step up at. Um, number two, um, really honestly depends on if he gets the position or not. You know, we got a position battle with Jack, or Jack Allison and uh, Trey Lowe. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of us kind of just assume that Jack Allison will be starting a bowl game, and which he's going to. Right. Uh, but I was kind of surprised to see that Dana was going to also use Trey Lowe in that game. So uh, I think if Trey comes out and he actually shows a little bit of life and shows some heart, you know, we could see uh, a pretty good quarterback on quarterback battle on our hands in the offseason. So it depends Absolutely. on whichever one of those wins that battle uh, will be my number two pick. And uh, number three, I'm going to say Alex Sinkfield. And I, I think you could make an argument that this year could have been his breakout year. Mm-hmm. But I think with the injury, it kind of – you know, slowed that up a little bit, kind of held him back. Um, I think that next year he's really going to come out. I think you're going to see a lot of things uh, uh, pleasantly surprising, I guess you could say. <laughs> I think that he's going to come out and he's going to ball next year. Absolutely. Especially I think that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that running game is really going to be a threat next year overall. You know, you've got all four of those running backs coming coming back, and uh, uh, basically the whole offensive line uh, sands uh, y'all need to adjust. So, um, you know, it, it's a lot of potential for the run game next year, I think, as well. So that's a good pick. Um, my top three breakout players, I'm going to stick with you on number one, uh, Vandarius Cowell and the linebacker transfer from Alabama. I think he's going to make a huge impact. Um, you know, he's got that prototypical NFL linebacker size that West Virginia has really hardly ever had at the linebacker position. I think he's going to break out. Um, my second uh, pick is also going to be a defensive player. I mentioned him a little bit earlier, but uh, Dante Stills, I think he's going to make an impact on that defensive end. And um, also just want to mention, I think it'll be pretty cool that West Virginia likely next year will have a starting defensive line of all uh, players from West Virginia when you're going to have probably Dante Stills at one end, Reese Donahue with the other uh, other end, and Darius Stills in the middle. So three WV uh, boys all as uh, defensive linemen. That'll be nice to see, I think. And then uh, – my third pick, um, Sam James. The uh, He'll be a freshman wide receiver. You know, he's played a couple times this year. He's going to play in the bowl game, Holgerson mentioned, but it's playing in less than four games, so he'll retain that red shirt, be a freshman next year. And I think you'll see T.J. Simmons slide into that slot position held by Gary Jennings, and you'll see Marcus Sims start on the outside, of course, but I think you're going to see Sam James start on the other outside, and that kid can absolutely fly, and I think that's going to be really tough for defenses to cover him and Marcus Sims, two speedsters, one on each side, and so I think Sam James is really going to have a breakout uh, year next year, especially in the beginning of the year, because people are going to know about Simmons and Sims, but they're not really going to know about Sam James, so I'm expecting Sam James to break out uh, next season and he may even make some plays in the bowl game. So keep your eye out for uh, Sam James, at wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. I think T.J. Simmons, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head with that. I think he's going to be a, another one to watch out for next year. Him and Marcus Sims. Marcus Sims, uh, we all knew coming into this season that he was going to be a, a good uh, receiver, but I think his injury uh, towards the end of the season kind of held him back a little bit. You could tell that he wasn't giving it his all. And at the plays that he was giving his all, he did make big plays, but at the end of them, you could see him get up and he'd limp a little bit. But him and T.J. Simmons both, uh, along with, like you said, Sam James next year, I think they're going to have a really uh, a really good receiving core once again. And I think it's going to be uh, sort of a situation kind of like Baker Mayfield leaving and Kyler Murray stepping in. I think you'll see that with what West Virginia's receivers are. You know, we have David Seals and Gary Jennings and all them leaving this year. And then uh, those guys we just mentioned, I think, will fill those roles in very nicely next year. Absolutely. So uh, that wraps up the superlatives uh, segment of uh, this this week's podcast. Um, let's get into it and uh, talk about some news, some WVU football news. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is uh, the bowl game coming up. You know, um, our last podcast was before the bowl game announcement. Uh, a lot of people were thinking Alamo Bowl. We were thinking Alamo Bowl against Washington State. Um, I don't. I don't want to say necessarily a letdown, but uh, you know, people really wanted that matchup. But um, instead, West Virginia going to the Camp and World Bowl against to play against Syracuse. Um, you know, December twenty eighth, five fifteen in Orlando. Um, good matchup, actually. Top twenty matchup. Uh, one of the only top 20 matchups outside of the New Year's Six Bowl. You got this and Kentucky and Penn State are your two uh, top 20 matchups, and this is the first going to be the first matchup against ranked teams to occur in the bowl season. So um, having said that, uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup for West Virginia and the Syracuse Orange? Which actually I just recently found out that they're no longer the Orangemen. They're just, they're, they're just the Orange now. I don't know why they made that change, but yeah. Anyway. I didn't know that. Yeah, I just I just really realized that I don't know when they made the change, but apparently it's not that new. Maybe it's been a year or two, but I just realized that um, a few days ago I was uh, reading some stuff about them, and I kept seeing people call them the Orange, and I was like, "What's up with this?" And so I looked on ESPN, and yeah, they're they're the Orange now, not the Orangemen anymore. So, but you know, uh, anyway. A few times you see a team change their name. <laughs> I know. Uh, I guess. I guess. I guess you know. Uh, orange men. They just. They couldn't go with that. They just had to take the men off and just become the orange. So they'd be orange women as well, I guess. Exactly. You never know. So. Day and age. <laughs> yeah. You know. They had to keep it PC. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, having said that, what, what do you think about this matchup with Syracuse? Uh, I like the matchup. I think that they got a good team this year. They played a lot of teams close, uh, and t- especially they played Clemson close. They gave them a really good game. Uh, I think they got a really good quarterback. Um, I think West Virginia, despite having the players that they're having sit out, I think that they're going to have 
it's going to be a pretty good game. I think our West, I think our offense is still going to come out and play uh, to a degree like we've seen all season. I think Jack Allison is a very good backup, and he showed that throughout the season. Uh, and I haven't seen Trey Lowe play that much, so I can't really speak as much on him. Um, but I think Jack Allison will do well. I think our receivers will do well, especially having David Seals that bows well. Um, I think what really will set it apart is how well our defense can contain their offense. Because, like I said, their quarterback is very good. He can throw the ball well. They have some good receivers that are quick. Uh, so I think I think it'll be a close game. I think it's a good matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got, I think we got hosed in terms of the bowl game that we got, but I do think it's a good matchup. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I guess Iowa State's uh, fan base, you know, has a really good um, track record of traveling well. And so – that's what the Alamo Bowl settled on, which, you know, personally, if I was the Alamo Bowl, I'd have rather seen the matchup of Holgerson versus Leach for the publicity and, you know, among other things. But, you know, they went with the team that supposedly travels better. So, you know, it is what it is. But uh, speaking specifically. arguable, in my opinion. I, oh, yeah. I think West Virginia travels really well. Yeah, West Virginia's had a history of traveling well as well. So. But I'm biased. Yeah, I mean, me too. But, you know, it, it is what it is at this point, I guess. But, um Having said that, as far as this matchup with Syracuse, um, uh, I don't really know exactly what to think about it, to be honest with you. I, you know, I've got mixed feelings about it. I think it could be a good matchup for West Virginia in some ways because Syracuse's defense, I think, is near the bottom of the ACC. So that's good if West Virginia's offense can perform. But then also Syracuse has that dual-threat quarterback, and we know how uh, West Virginia has struggled with those types of running quarterbacks in the past. And then plus, you know, uh, of course, we'll get into more about the players. West Virginia not playing here in a minute. But, you know, West Virginia has guys sitting out. And Syracuse actually has guys that, that will be coming, that will be adding. Um, you know, they have a couple transfers, um, a wide receiver and a running back, uh, one from Oklahoma, one from Michigan. I mean, one from, one from Michigan State, one from Oklahoma, rather. And, you know, they're transfers, so they had to sit out this season. But uh, what's weird enough they actually have uh, the ability to play in the bowl game um i guess it was part of their transfer agreement or whatever but both of those guys are eligible for the bowl game uh wide receiver and a running back one from oklahoma one from michigan state so while west virginia is losing guys syracuse is adding guys so that kind of makes you a little nervous there as well uh depending on how those guys gel especially when syracuse already possesses a potent offense but i think all in all it's going to be a good matchup and uh, and i'm with you i think it'll be a close one of course we'll get more in depth on it on our on our bowl preview uh podcast coming up here uh, early next week but you know all in all i think it's going to be a good matchup and uh good to see west virginia play another ranked team at least and have a chance to finish somewhere near uh, close to the top 10 if they win you know uh 15th right now in ap poll i believe so you know a win they'll probably be pushing uh a top 10 ranking in the season which will, which will be great to see Absolutely. I think it'll be the probably the highest ranking we've had in recent years. Oh, yeah, in, in quite a uh, while. In quite a yeah. while, I do believe. But, um, you know, let's talk more about this bowl game. You know, the big discussion is players sitting out and the, the debate of players sitting out. Should they sit out? Um, you know, is it is it bad for the bowl games? Do Is the college football playoff, you know, hurting bowl games, making them less meaningful? Um you know, it, what what do you think started this trend? Because, you know, I think I remember the first people to sit out was uh, Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette kind of started the trend. And it really started after uh, Jalen Smith, the linebacker for uh, Notre Dame, got injured, I think, towards ACL. So fell in the draft following that. And so um, that really um, made made uh, made, made this trend kind of, uh, you know, become even bigger and have players sitting out more and more. So, I mean uh, – Going forward, you know, for West Virginia, they have Yannick just sitting out, um, Gary Jennings sitting out, although that's uh, possibly more to injury than just wanting to sit out the game. And then the big one, of course, is Will Greer. And I think that his is getting so much publicity because he's really the first major quarterback to uh, sit out of these bowl games. You know, all these other players that have sat out have been other positions, but he's really the first quarterback to choose to do so. So uh, what do you make of all this? What's your take on all of it? Uh, you know, I... I want to start off by saying that I know that Will Greer is getting a lot of negative publicity from this. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think that whenever, um, you know, they started making these bowl games more and more at the end of the season, when you do that, you diminish. It doesn't matter if there's a playoff system or not. Even in the BCS era, I think that they were leaning towards, you know, adding more bowl games to the, mm-hmm. to the list. And I think when you do that, you diminish the meaning of the bowl game. I don't think that if you get 
the Camping World Bowl or the, you know, the Monarchy Car Care Bowl or the, you know, the whatever bowl. If it's not something that is going to make your school, you know, more notoriable or, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know really how you could say it, but, uh, you know, look better for your school going forward. So right. it's an, an Orange Bowl. If it was the Orange Bowl, I think we'll get plays. Um, if it's the Camping World Bowl, I'm, I'm glad that he's sitting now. I don't, you're not going to become, you know, the legend of West Virginia. You're not going to become Jerry West by winning the Camping World Bowl and beating Syracuse. You know, I would rather save my body and try to make a living in the NFL and be healthy doing that. And people could argue that and say that, you know, now is the most protected time that, you know, a quarterback has ever had in terms, you know, in terms of safety for a quarterback. It doesn't matter. You can still take the chance on getting hurt, and he's done that at West Virginia. When he hurt his finger, I think that may be what you know pushed him towards being a little bit skittish in terms of those kind of things. Uh, but not even just him, man. I think that, like I said, if you if you when you when you're putting all these bowl games out there, they they become less important. And when you have less bowl games, which I think, in my personal opinion, they should go to less bowl games. So that way, when you make a bowl game. It's that much bigger of a deal, and you you know your school can celebrate. Nowadays, Absolutely. you go to a bowl game, you win it, and nobody even blinks an eye anymore. It's just like winning the next game. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's essentially it, like it, an well, exhibition it, game. Uh, yeah, it's a participation trophy, is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all it. It's all it really is, and especially, I mean, it even hurts your team. So, if, like for example, West Virginia's been going to these, you know, the Camping World Bowl and Chance Sports Bowl and all these, you know, these bowl games and. You know, the pinstripe bowl and all these games and losing these games, mind you. So when you have that lesser of a bowl game and you still have a team and you go in and lose it, what does that look like on your team? Exactly. Especially if Wilger plays. If, if Wilger plays in the Camping World Bowl, and I'm not saying that this, I think this would have happened, but I'm saying if Wilger plays in the, champ, in the Camping World Bowl and loses, what does that look like? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, he, he, he couldn't. He couldn't improve playing in the Camping World Bowl. If he went out there and threw for 700 yards and nine touchdowns, he's not going to improve his draft stock anymore by playing one game in the Camping World Bowl. But exactly. if he gets injured or something, he could hurt his draft stock. So I mean, it's I mean, you know, what's the upside to him to playing in this bowl game? You know, yeah, you're going to play, you want to play for your team and stuff. But I'm sure that they understand. It's not like he came to this decision on his own. He came to this decision talking to scouts, talking to the coaches, telling the players, and you know, the NFL scouts advised him on this decision as well. You know, he didn't just come and make it, you know, all willy nilly on his own without talking to other people, without talking to his teammates, his coaches, and you know, people from the NFL. More importantly. Right, and I, you know, you can say it's disloyalty. All you know, the people or whatever they can say it's disloyal or whatever they want to. It's not disloyalty. It's just being smart. It's the, he makes a business decision, and that's what the game is anymore. It's business, and that's all it is. You can't take it personal. As a fan base, you cannot take these kinds of things personal. It's the way the game is moving, and as fans of the game, you know, we've rooted for all this stuff and and what have you, and the playoff system and everything else. So you know, we kind of done this to ourselves, I believe. Absolutely, and and you know, like you said, it's there's too many bowl games. Like, I could sit here and ask, you know, nine out of ten people who won the Cheese It Bowl last year, who won the Mowers Bowl, who won the Dollar General Bowl. Nobody's gonna know the answer to those questions a year a year from now. You know, you're not it's just, you're just not gonna know it. There, you know, it's, there's too many. I think there's forty some bowl games, so that diminishes it diminishes, like you said. And then also, it's just a thing of the players have more power now. The players, you know, can make their own decisions now, which I think is good. You know, you don't want to see guys' uh, careers ruined from, you know, playing in a bowl game or, you know, or anything like that. You know, you want people – you want your your program to succeed. And, and the way I look at this is, um, yeah, Will Greer playing the bowl game is great. You know, I'd love to see him play one more time. But what's going what's gonna to help West Virginia more in the future? If Will Greer plays and wins in the Camping World Bowl – but, you know, gets injured and, you know, affects his NFL career, and, but he has a Camp World Bowl win. Or if he goes to the NFL and is a starting quarterback for an NFL team for 10 years, wins a Super Bowl or something, and uh, Coach Holgerson and, and the coaches are recruiting and can say, you see that guy winning an NFL MVP, starting for that team, won a Super Bowl, he came from here. You know, that's a bigger uh, tool for recruiting than saying, hey, he uh, played in the Camp World Bowl and won it for us. Right, right. And, you know, I think I think the best uh, description that I've heard out of anyone in this situation, uh, and it, it, 
you could. It's not exactly the same situation, but it's similar. Is Deshaun Butler playing in the Final Four game? I heard mm-hmm. him talk about his Final Forecast one day about you know, John Flowers um, was the one that asked him. You know, what is your feelings on this? And he's like, you know, if it's me, he's like, if I'm. He, he said, for example, if I'm playing at West Virginia and it's not the Final Four game and it's my last game, I'm not playing. <laughs> if I don't have, you know, if I don't have a big enough stage to where. You know, it makes our team moving forward better, you know, so, or that nature like that. I'm not playing. And he, you know, we all know what happened to Deshaun. Deshaun literally risked his entire NBA career on, you know, that one injury that happened against Duke in the Final Four. Absolutely. And I think that his, you know, his description of, or, you know, what he would do in that situation is the loudest. It speaks, the vo- the, speaks volumes to me because, um, you know, he did play in that situation, and he did get hurt. And I know, that, granted, it's a different sport, it's a different situation, uh, but in the same light, it's it's a very similar situation. So, uh, you know, you gotta you gotta be safe, man. Especially, you know, you're not playing against middle school kids in D1 college football. You're playing against grown men, and these men are coming to hurt you in every single play. Um, and yeah, man, absolutely, I, you got I, it. I can't say enough about the situation, man. I, I, I just think there's too much scrutiny on Will Greer. Uh, and he's not even the only one doing it. Nobody's saying anything about Yannick Just. I, I haven't heard any person say any one word about Yannick Just. He was the first one to come out and say he's not playing. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's because Will Greer is the first quarterback to do to make this decision. You know, you've seen linebackers, receivers, D-linemen, um, running backs do it. But, you know, Will Greer is the first quarterback. So I think that that's why it's become such, such you know, such a uh, controversial uh Subject not only among uh, West Virginia fans, but throughout the nation, really. And, you know, another aspect to look at it is, you know, Yanni could just announced first, you know. Um, if Maybe if Yanni could just doesn't announce he's not playing, that's the guy that protects Will Greer's backside. You know, maybe Will Greer feels like there's a greater chance of him taking more hits without his guy protecting his blind side and a greater chance for him to get injured, and that may have affected his decision as well. You, you know, you, you never know. Yeah, that's a wonderful point. I didn't think about that, but, that, yeah, that's a very good way to look at it. Absolutely. I think, you know, long term, he did what's best for him and his family. And I think long term, you know, going forward for West Virginia from a recruiting standpoint and from a program standpoint, having a quarterback in the NFL, possibly being a starter is way more important than having a quarterback playing in the Camping World Bowl. And that's just the best way I know how to sum it up, really. Yeah, I don't think it's any uh, any uh, wonder or anything like that. I think everyone knows how big of fans that me and you are of WVU, and I think that both of us can agree that if we're in Will Greer's shoes, we're sitting out this ball game. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know, people can say what they want about the decision now, but if it was them in that position, I don't think that they would make, you know, I don't think that they would not would do it any differently. I think that they would sit out as well if they had potential millions of dollars at stake, and you're going to risk it to play you know, in essentially an exhibition game, you know, call it what it is. You know, I wanted West Virginia to win the bowl game. I'm excited for the bowl game. But essentially, it's an exhibition game. It's just, it's boils down to basically, you know, a scrimmage. Yeah, to me, what this game is for West Virginia is a look at our future. It's not necessarily a win or a loss game for me. If we lose, I'll be okay. Uh, you know, I will, I will be okay. I think that for me, I want to see what these young kids have and what West Virginia is going to be moving forward. We have an entire offseason to move to fix things that, you know, may not be correct. And I don't expect everything to look correct. It's obviously not going to. Um, but I, I wish Will Greer the best, but I think West Virginia, West Virginia fans need to focus on West Virginia. And they need to stop, you know, being so critical of players, of coaches. Just enjoy the game of football. You know, we're, we have a great program. I know, West, I know basketball is down right now, but West Virginia is an overall great school. And I think that the fans of West Virginia are – almost ruining it at times in some ways because they just, I mean, it's just every single year we seem like we're on a great track and then one thing happens and the whole fan base explodes and makes us look like, um, for lack of a better word, dumb hillbillies. I'm sorry, but. Yeah, I mean, call it it what it is, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. If the the shoe fits, wear it. I hate to say that because I I grew up in this state. I love this state. I always have and I always will. It just, it, it really gets to me, man, when I see people you know, continuously every single year downgrade this staff and downgrade these players that come in. And they're just kids, you know what I mean? They're 17 and 18-year-old kids. Absolutely. You know, when and they graduate 22 and 23, and, you know, people act like 
they don't have feelings. They act like they're robots, and they don't, you know, go home to families every day. And it's 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 sad to see, man. It really is. Exactly. We've discussed the hypercritical fan base, uh, fan base, you know, a few times on, on on the podcast here, and you know, it's it's really just become more prevalent through social media as well. You can you just see it all the time. Just you know, people probably don't even follow the program that closely, but when they lose, they act like you know it really affects affects them. You know, and 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 they just harp all on, you know, just wait at the drop of the dime to to criticize the team. You know, it's really the most critical fan base that I know of. Me me too, brother. Me too. Unfortunately. I hate to say that, but Exactly. Like I like I've said before, West Virginia simultaneously has the best fans in the country and the worst fans in the country. But the thing is it's 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 not like a big portion of the West Virginia fan base is that way, but the maybe the you know ten to twenty percent of the West Virginia fan base is that way is very loud in those opinions, and you know that's the ones that you see a lot is is those hypercritical opinions, and that's that's what bugs you so much. Yeah, because you only see it on social media. You you get on there and you read the comments on you know on these articles and these threads and everything, and all you see is those people because the ones you know like you said the other eighty percent of us that you know do give these players and coaches a chance to do what they got to do and do respect that they have a home to go or, you know, a family to go home to and everything like that. We're not the ones on social media saying anything. So I guess that's the reason that you, uh, you only see the negative side of things. Yeah, absolutely. West Virginia, uh, social media after a loss, you know, WVU lost Twitter, WVU lost Facebook, uh, whatever you want to call it. it. It's, it's ridiculous at times. It's, it's, it's out there sometimes it's crazy, but you know, it is what it is. Just got to, you know, try and ignore. That's that's why after a loss, I try and uh, stick to a little rule where I stay off of social media for like 24 hours if I can if I can manage it. Just because, just because of that fact. You know, I don't want to get in arguments with anyone. I don't want to, you know, come at people that have these crazy far fetched comments. But you know, it's 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 hard to ignore at times. But but I try to ignore it because that's really the best the best option. You know, if you want to stay optimistic and and you know and stay level headed and, and and not give in to these people that are just wild in, in their in their observations and their reactions. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, over the years we've definitely seen, you know, the best of these fans and the worst of these fans. And I just, uh, in my opinion, as, as I grow older and I see these, you know, these people act this way, it just seems like it's getting worse and more yeah. so than it's getting better. I think, like you said, it's just, it's just social media growing. And it's a, as much as social media grows, the negativity of this girl with it. I guess we'll just have to learn to roll with the punches. Absolutely, you know, just just the Will Greer, the the bashing that he's took taken a lot is has really has really uh, rub, rubbed me and you the wrong way both uh, both of us. I think so. Um, good to get Absolutely. that good to get that off our chest and just kind of you know trying to explain why why it's probably the right decision going forward for him for the program for for the team next year for the for recruiting in the future just just all together actually you know a, a pretty good decision on, on Will's part yeah definitely definitely a smart business decision absolutely so um having talked about the bowl game and, and some of these decisions a little bit um uh you know, David Long is a guy that uh, he's going to play in the bowl game. He said he hasn't decided his NFL future yet. Um, I think him, if he decides to return, greatly impacts the uh, prospects of this West Virginia team next season and their potential. Um, what are your thoughts on David Long's future? Uh, I think the, I think the same. I think if he, whichever he decides is going to be um, our biggest impact. If he stays, he's going to be the biggest, the best player on the defense. If he leaves. It leaves a huge gap in the linebacker position, and that's even with getting. Uh, uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce his name from. Uh, from uh, Cowan. Yeah, yeah, Cowan. Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. but th- that's where I, that's where I'm kind of uh, on the fence about the David Long decision because him coming back is going to really help out the team. But also, you know, looking at it from his perspective, his draft stock is probably as high as it's going to get right now due to his size, because yeah. he's not really going to get any bigger. You know, if he comes back next year, dominates again. Unless he somehow can earn back-to-back Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, that may up it a little bit. But he's not really going to improve his draft stock that much by returning next season as much as I'd like him to do so. But, you know, the jury remains out on what he's going to do about that. We'll wait and see. But I, I wouldn't be mad at either, either way with that with his decision on that. Nah, same here. I think that uh, you can't be mad at anything that he's done at West Virginia. Like I said earlier, he's, he plays his heart out every single time he takes uh, the field at West Virginia. I think he's like I said earlier, too, uh, he's the best defensive player we've had since Carl Joseph. And so, no, you can't fault him either way. Absolutely. So, uh, 
before we wrap up, let's uh, let's take a way too early look ahead at 2019. And uh, what's kind of your uh, right now off the top of your head? You know, not not going off the schedule or anything. Just what do you think this team can do next season? You know, where are they going to sit in the Big 12? What's maybe a possible record that you're thinking of right now? Just way too early predictions and thoughts about 2019 West Virginia football season. Um, I told somebody this the other day, and they looked at me like I was crazy. Um, I, I think that West Virginia doesn't break stride next year. Uh, surprisingly enough, I think that we're going to regenerate the players on offense, and we're going to generate those players on defense. And like I said earlier, especially with these recruits we got coming in, uh, these freshmen – are some of the best, you know, group of freshmen that I've seen come to West Virginia as freshmen mm-hmm. in a very long time, uh, or if ever, if you, if you could even imagine that. I think West Virginia, I think they go ten and two next year. I, I, I'm gonna stick with the same thing that I said this year, uh, and I think Jack Allison, with the way that he's looked this year, times that we've seen him, uh, he's got great form. He seems to know the offense really well. He seems to have a really good relationship with his receivers. I don't think that that's going to change at all. I think he's going to, you know, develop a better re- uh, relationship with his receivers. Even if Trey Lowe does play well in the bowl game, I think you could see uh, sort of what you've seen. I don't want to compare West Virginia, Clemson, and Alabama at all, but um, I think that you've seen other programs in the country do a dual quarterback system and have, uh, you know, a good quarterback and have a, you know, a, a great backup. You know, you've seen that with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. Of course, I didn't know Kelly Bryant transferring. You've seen it with Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungvaloa. Um, I really, I, I don't, I, I could be biased and biased thinking this way, but uh, I really think West Virginia is going to have a tremendous year next year, and they're going to surprise a lot of people. No, I'm right there with you, actually. You know, I think that they've really built this thing up to the point where they're not going to really have any rebuilding years. They're just more or less going to reload, you know, year after year with the depth that they have and the people that they have in the program. And I think that you'll see that starting next season. You know, the bowl game we mentioned is going to be a good preview of next year. You're only going to have two seniors playing on the offense in Seals and Wesco. Other than that, it's going to be all players that will be here next year. Um, Coach Holgerson is calling the plays in the bowl game. It's rumored that he's going to be the play caller in 2019, although that's not officially confirmed yet. But um, that's that's the rumor, and so you know if that's the case, he'll get a jump start on that as well, and working with some of these new pieces. And I think that with Coach Holgerson returning to call the plays, the most offensive line coming back. Um, uh, and all of the running backs coming back, that next season you're going to see um, you know, a team that's really strong on the run and use that to set up play action passes deep to two speedy receivers in Sims and Sam James. I think you'll see T.J. Simmons take over Gary Jennings' role, work in the middle of the field. I think you'll still see the tight end employed. And I think the offense next season will look a lot like the offense in 2016 with Skylar Howard, a lot of a lot of run heavy with all these good running backs, and you know pass uh, pass deep when you need it, and you know not, I'm not 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 to say Trey Lowe's going to be the starting quarterback next year, but I think that he'd factor good into that type of system, and we saw West Virginia win ten games in that type of system, but I also like Jack Allison's ability to throw the ball, and I'm with you, you never know it could end up being like a two quarterback system type deal, um, uh, but I think the potential is definitely there. I think the defense, you know, you return a lot of guys. We've got a lot of good guys that are redshirted this year. A lot of big guys coming in. Um, if David Long comes back, the defense is going to be even better. I think that this team has a lot of potential for next season. I think worst-case scenario is seven wins. I think best-case scenario is probably ten wins. I'll go ahead and say, you know, off the top of my head right now, I'll probably I'll go with nine wins. I think this team has the ability to do, uh, do a lot next season. I think they're in the thick of the Big 12 conference race. I think they're going to be a top-four Big 12 team next year, at least. Yeah, and if they win nine games next year, uh, look out for 2020 because I'm telling you what, well, you know, with the offense and we're coming back, or, you know, with the offense and I guess you could say defense coming back for the year after that, oh, man, it's going to be a scary sight. If West Virginia has a good season next year, especially if they win nine, ten games, uh, it's going to be an even brighter future than what I've already seen. Absolutely. You know, I'm excited. Uh for the bowl game because it is going to be kind of a, a glimpse into the future and uh, we'll get more into the bowl game and get deeper into uh, previewing that game and the matchups and stuff on our upcoming podcast releasing uh, next week before the bowl game so be on the lookout for that for a bowl game preview podcast um, uh, before we wrap this one up any final thoughts on the 2018 W football season recap Stephen? Uh, actually yeah I want to give it's kind of a random a random thought but yeah, I just uh, I think it's worth a mention that we've mentioned William Crest uh, I think absolutely with the way that he came into WVU and uh, the injury that he faced and you know everything that he's gone through at WVU 
Uh, even I think me, me and you actually talked to it, talked about it in person uh, during a spring game when he was here. It was the mm-hmm. spring game right after he got hurt, and we, everybody was expecting him, you know, to do well. And we said, "Crest Virginia, Crest Virginia." I remember that. Oh yeah, uh, vividly. That was that was and the I saying. Knew, I knew in my heart that that kid was going to transfer, and to see him come out and graduate at WVU, and you know, to just see it out and just stay on the team and even play. They played. He played anywhere that the coaching staff asked him to play. He never asked any questions. He never had any problems. He never, he, he's never a negative uh, entity at WVU. And I just, I, I just want to give him a shout out because I think that that is rare, especially in today's game. I think that uh, that's definitely a commendable thing to look at. I think, um, yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, uh, he's a player that deserves a shout out. He's a true locker room guy, true team guy, supported the team. You know, you saw him on the sidelines, always clapping. I saw a video after the last game against Oklahoma, just him standing on the midfield logo, taking it all in, and that was really touching. And and he's a guy that definitely deserves a a shout out and uh, a lot of respect for William Crest and and you know what he did. You know, staying all four years and just being a true team player and really a true West Virginia guy. And so I'm glad you shouted him out. Uh, he deserves that shout out for sure. Yeah, I just didn't want didn't want to forget about him, man. I've been been definitely thinking about him throughout this whole process, and I, I just think that uh, you you can't get a more respectable player than that. Absolutely. So, um, having said that, that will pretty much wrap up the 2018 WV football season recap show from us here at the Country Roads Webcast, brought to you by Trio Four Productions. We are the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics and AlmostHeavenAthletics.com. Be sure and follow us on Twitter at WVU Country Roads. Providing great coverage on there as well. A lot of good stuff coming up to the bowl game. Got the bowl game podcast coming up. Uh, we're looking forward to that, to previewing that game, and to seeing what West Virginia does in the Camping World Bowl against Syracuse. So, having said that, as always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz. And for Stephen Vestal, until next time, let's go Mountaineers. Are you ready to party? Let's go.